Welcome to Relationship. I'm Stacy, And I'm Oha. I coughed that out. Um, today we have our sound guy, Alex, on the mic. Alex, say hi. Hello. Um, this is just a host thing. We don't have any real guest, so it's just us talking. Yeah. People seem to like that one. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I am yeah, hyped yeah, up, yeah. y'all. I just had a glazed donut, yeah. so sugar is coursing through my veins. Sugar! Oh my god, and those kolaches are really good. Yeah, they're so good. Thank um, you, Cindy's kolaches. Christie's, Christie's you kolaches off of Montrose and West Gray. Yeah. Uh, so l- yeah, we could just talk. We were in the middle of talking about sweet little baby Alex. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. So handsome. Most beautiful man alive. And so helpful. And your twin brother, who is a fucking babe. Yes. Um, he grew into himself, for sure. Yeah. Because you're cute, but, like, the glasses, and he looks like a professor. I didn't speak to him but to say hi, but I was like, I see you. You know what? Uh, this might give a better picture for the audience who's listening, um, who haven't met my brother. But you can look him on, on Facebook. Oh, no, I'm not going to give his name, but... Um, a lot of people say he looks like Chevy Chase. <gasps> yes! <laughs> Young Chevy Chase. People come to, he looks like a mix between Chevy Chase, but he has mannerisms like Bernie Sanders. Like yeah. he, he rolls That's up exa- his sleeves and he has He looks glasses. like a young Bernie Sanders yeah. and a young Chevy Chase simultaneously. Which is a that great is thing hotness. to look like right now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He's got the wispies coming out on the sides yes. of his head. This like haphazard haircut. Like he looks like, uh, me? Um, but still like me, yeah. you know what I, I mean? I just happened to encounter all of these people and I look, he looks like, you know, that costume that was popular for a little while where it's like people who are being blown away by the wind kind of, you know, that costume where they put their ties to the side oh, and like they like open their jacket. He looks like he's on his way somewhere, even though he's just sitting there. You see, he has thinner hair than me and he was always kind of like insecure about it a little bit, but it really works out for him. Like he found the right hairstyle because the way he brushes it back, he gets that effect. And uh, he's really into like shampooing and conditioning because I don't really shampoo and condition my hair all the time because I like having like thicker hair. Yeah. But I mean, he like conditions his hair because he likes it to be soft and that's how he gets that. Like he, we, we talk about our fashion styles a lot, I think, so. That's interesting because um, y'all are twins, but you do not look alike. Fraternal. Fraternal. Frat twins. Frat twins. Yeah, definitely frat twins. Um, what is it like growing up with like a, a fraternal twin? Yeah, so this is actually funny. We were at this uh, event last night for a free press summer fest like after party. And um, we're talking to somebody about it. Um, we actually love introducing ourselves like, oh, we're twins. And when people are like, no way. Like, we think it's so cool, and I kind of, like, deconstructed it last night to the person I was talking to, because um, she's like, yeah, usually with identical twins, they're, like, they're kind of, like, oh, yeah, you know, we're twins, but, uh, like, they, they kind of have a little animosity towards being a twin. I mean, I don't think this is true. We have a, it's actually funny, because we have a lot of twin friends growing up, um, but I feel like that, that can sometimes be the case, and it's really fun to to introduce ourselves uh, to people and be like, we're fraternal. Oh, I guess we have a dog here, so yeah. Yeah. He might get on the mic at some point. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but anyways, it's it's really fun to introduce ourselves like we're fraternal twins and people are like, oh, you guys just seem so different. And I think we love hearing that because I think everyone wants to be unique. And we're like, oh, yeah, we're so different, you know. And Emotionally or like mentally, 
are y'all similar? Do you have like that mindset that people say twins have where y'all are just connected? Yeah, I definitely think we leveled each other out. Like I was always the more emotional one and he was always the more intellectual, like rational one. And I think that now we've kind of reached a balance in between. I mean, I, I still think that I'm always going to be more inherently like emotional and he's going to be more inherently um, intellectual. Um, and I'm more intuitive and he's more rational for sure. Um, I've always been into dancing and music and like these things that are more like, oh, you intuitively feel it. And he's always been into things that are like fine motor skills. Like he, he like at a young age, he's like taking stuff apart and um, putting stuff back together, like remote controls and watches. Like he asked my dad for a watch and he was like six years old and was taking it apart. Uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. That yeah. is really cool. When I was six years old, I fell off of a tree trying to eat uh, green pomegranates. And then uh, when people asked me what happened, I said, I don't know. Uh, but I did know. I was just embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I was six, I think that's the year that I put tax in my sister's bed because she wouldn't, like, let me play with her and her friends. Yeah. And then when my sister laid down on them when she went to sleep, screamed, and I told her. my mom, I'm sorry I was crafting. I did it on purpose. <laughs> that's really purpose. good. God. So, so there's a great picture that kind of defines this, like, age when we were five and six um, where we first kind of, like, had those interests, like him being more rational and me being more like intuitive in the dance performance art. Um, it was ha- Halloween when we were five and I was Michael Jackson. Like my mom bought uh, like a curly wig and like, I love Michael Jackson <laughs> as a kid and like a white shirt and it was tucked in. I was wearing like skinny black jeans and everybody who we knocked on the door like, Oh, it's so cute. Like a little kid, Michael Jackson. I was like, do my leg kick and stuff like that and moonwalk. <laughs> and he was a doctor. And so this is really awesome picture. I have to show it to you on Facebook or you can maybe put it on this uh, um, SoundCloud or whatever mm-hmm. upload for the podcast. And it's just like us standing side by side. Um, <laughs> and me as Michael Jackson, him as a doctor. And he, he's like, his face is like that. Like he has like his lips puckered together and kind of like, and I'm just like kind of bashful, but like I'm holding up my little rhinestone glove. Little did you guys both know how well that would go together at the end of Michael's life, a doctor and <laughs> Michael Jackson. That's um, true. I just thought of that. We yeah, will get that picture. Up. We will put it on the SoundCloud and that will be, or on an Instagram for this episode. I promise you. Cool. Um, okay. Well, what do you guys want to talk about today? Is anything going on in your lives? Um, oh, let me see. Uh, I'm kind of in a like a in a dry patch right now mentally because I'm so fucking busy with stuff. Mm-hmm. But I have been living vicariously through all of my friends because they're all getting it. And I'm really excited about that. You yourself walked in this morning saying that your vagina hurt, mm-hmm. um, which I'm very proud of you. You know, just... <laughs> Keep at it. Eventually, that whole area will get numb, and you'll just be able to bang away. How do you feel that all of your friends, like the the core group around you, how do you feel that they're all like in relationships now? It doesn't bother me. I'm used to it. Um, Usually, I'm always the third, the fifth, or the seventh wheel. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not like a. I don't think about it until until you ask me right now. What I like about that is that, you know, like those uh, uh, planet Earth sped up versions of like the environment where like you see all the clouds going back and forth. Like a time lapse. The time lapse Mm -hmm. where it just goes faster and faster. So that's how I see my friends' relationships at this point because like they've been together so long and I've known them for so long that it just all feels like a fast time lapse of they break up, they get with somebody else, they do. And I'm just like this, this like a mobile mountain on the side just watching it all unfold oh my god of. Oha, if you had a movie or like the trailer for the movie would be that it's just like you standing there and like all 
these relationships happening around you like in fast motion that's exactly what would happen uh, i want to make that happen uh that's exactly what would happen because uh i've just been with my friends and they have broken up gone back together done other things met other people and usually i'm like i, I it's not that i'm not like uh like looking i'm just so passive about it and um for me i feel like it's just it's gonna take somebody that really likes me to be like hey bitch Come on out to, uh, uh, what's that place? Uh, Lulu's, Lilo's, Roses, that place on Montrose. and Lola's. Lola's, the, the purple, the, play, the grossest bar on the earth. Be like, let's go there. Let's, uh, somebody once admitted to me that they did crack at that bar. It's a, cr- it is, it's a gross bar. Yeah. Crack is crazy. Crack is crazy. Have you crack done crack? Whack. Have, Have you, you done, done crack? crack oh. I've never done crack. I've never done crack. Either. I've done meth <gasps> once. Stacy, tell but, me all about okay, it. Okay, I will. I did meth on accident. Okay. <laughs> oh God, you yeah. would. <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, I know other people have done like crazier drugs um, on accident. So we were in Mexico. Uh, a lot of my friends and we had decided before we went that we wouldn't get drugs in Mexico because it's very dangerous. You uh, could end up in a prison. I'm not into drugs, really. Uh, I can't, I'm just not cool enough to pull that stuff off. I don't like to trip. I don't like to do things like that. Just being out of control. But, you know, light drugs. It's fine. So first, we have this one friend of mine who's, like, really good at drugs. He's the, he's the godfather of drugs to us, right? Um, and he bought weed first off some guy on the beach. So that turned out well. The guy came back to our house the next day and brought cocaine. We thought it was cocaine. It was pretty expensive for what it was, but we were like, oh, Mexico tourists, whatever. Uh, And then I snorted some, and it was immediately, I could tell, not cocaine. Because you had done cocaine before. Yes, I have done cocaine before. What Um, did it feel like? This one? Yeah. It burned. I mean, I remember going, oh, my God, that hurts. And then I turned to my friend. I was like, you got to do it. (laughs) Um, And then it was almost immediate that we did that. So uh, I think maybe like five of us took a line. And then maybe one bump after that, we were up until the next day. Holy crap. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, I've never felt so sick. So that was my birthday. Um, So the night before we went out for my birthday, so the morning of my birthday, I had not slept. And I just remember sitting in this beautiful house. Um, We had, like, been fucked up all night. And then I decided, like, I'm starting to feel sick. I'm, like, coming down off this. It's probably 10 or 11 the next day. And I'm sitting in the room of this beautiful house in Mexico. The beach is my window. And I'm just, like, pacing back and forth in the room I'm like rocking myself and I'm like I feel so sick and that's how I ushered in 31 and then I just knew like the next day once everybody like showered and got their shit together guys we did meth it was meth yeah you feel so empty afterwards because the closest I've ever done to meth is uh I got prescribed um like Adderall or like some ADHD medication mm-hmm. in uh in college that I wasn't supposed to be taking it was like some psychiatrist who was like you could tell her whatever and they were like here oh you go. yeah, you probably need yeah. this. Um, Here you go, like just Dr. too happy. Conrad Murray. Yes, too happy <laughs> to prescribe. Um, and she looked like 
She looked like somebody who would have been like in a very experimental doctor in like a, a fascist regime. Like she had a very like thin, narrow face and like these Hydra. really these really small like circular glasses that like had very thick lenses. And she had like this very weird presence about it, like, mm, yeah, like you need this. Like just so excited to prescribe me it. And I took Adderall for like a week, and um, yeah, I would just feel so drained the next day, like mm-hmm. so empty. And then um, I w- I like picked at some acne and like just couldn't stop picking <gasps> at it and had like a scab on That's my face. That's a thing. Yeah, I was like grinding my teeth really bad and then like by the fourth or fifth day like I was having auditory hallucinations. Like I was hearing like tribal drums in my head like That is crazy. Yeah, like I think I already have so much like energy that I just should not be doing any kind of uppers like that. I was Don't do cocaine then. Yeah, I I've done cocaine and like makes my thoughts race and like completely paranoid and like it's terrible. I know that I should do. Yeah. Yeah. I've never done I think the only thing I've ever done I've only ever smoked weed which is great and I love it now thank you Stacy mm-hmm. all of the vices that I, I think I've encountered yeah, lately Grace gave me mine have, yeah, yeah that's perfect but I I was on Adderall too for a while um, at the end of college and then a little bit into not being in college and mm, I think it was incredibly helpful but then there came this moment where I was taking it consistently and I couldn't sleep I had lost my appetite almost entirely, which was kind of nice because I lost like 50 pounds because oh I did goodness. like a hot yoga slash Adderall, oh. uh, like 30 day challenge. Well, the, the Adderall wasn't a challenge. The yoga was a challenge. The old um, Bikram and meth method. The old Bikram and meth. Yeah. Um, it's like the Adkins, but it's like more painful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sadkins. Yeah, yeah, Sadkins. That's exactly what it is. But yeah, I, I, I've tried drugs just only this weed and this Adderall. But my friend who admitted at Lola's that she had done crack, she's like really nostalgically was like, oh, I did crack here two years ago. <laughs> like really like sweetly looking back on her time mm-hmm. at doing crack at Lola's. And uh, she also had done meth. She did a bunch of fucking drugs, but she, she wasn't an addict. I'd known her for a while. I knew she wasn't addicted to anything. But it's crazy. Like I've seen people get into crazy relationships with people who are actually addicted to drugs Mm -hmm. and that seems to me like the the biggest relationship of all where you're just like yeah codependent with somebody who is dependent on drugs like that just seems like a huge clusterfuck have you guys ever dated anybody that had drug issues well i mean not not dated but my father uh, i mean i'm sure both of you know like my father passed away when i was 10 and he was an addict never really got sober until the very very end and he had contracted aids four years i think before he died um but still did drugs still did like still drank still did things like that so addiction to me i do take it seriously i don't i mean i have dabbled in drugs but i have never never had an issue with them i can walk away um i do for long periods of time and I've avoided really serious drugs except for meth that one time. Um, but dating somebody like that, it's like a fear of mine. I can't you feel like it'd be like an immediate deal breaker uh, on the yeah. front end. Even somebody who drinks too much. So I don't know if anybody has ever, no- I know my group of friends that I hang out with a lot has noticed that when the night gets too much, when they are so drunk, cause I'll never get that drunk. It just can't, I can't do it to myself. Um, my body rejects it. Um, when they get that drunk, when it's like that time of the night, everybody knows it, where you start talking about your feelings, 
or your past or your parents and it gets sappy and emotional because they're so wasted and I leave. You're like, I'm out. Because it triggers something in me. It's not enjoyable for me. If anybody is too aggressive drunk, too sappy drunk, too emotional drunk, I cannot do it. So if I dated a person like that, I did date a guy who would drink too much and then throw up. And then he would have like these um, broken blood vessels on his face from like puking too hard. Mm. And I just remember thinking, this isn't right. I love you. Like, (laughs) oh, you're so sexual to me right now. I just knew that that wasn't right. I just can't do it. So any if a guy ever got drunk, drunk, like if somebody is like, can't speak words, can't talk, um, things like that. Then I wouldn't, I couldn't, I can't date him. Yeah, that seems crazy. Have you ever dated anybody with problems like that, Alex? Um, yeah. Well, I dated somebody um, who was like, she would get like really blackout drunk and then crazy stuff would happen. But it was like a really weird, it was like a, it was kind of like a relationship I was in um, over the summer, like a few summers ago. And, um, yeah, so it was, like, off and on. It wasn't, like, too, like, set in stone. We are kind of like, hey, let's keep this casual, and, like, we'll see each other. But she would, like, get blackout drunk, and then, like, all this stuff would happen, and then she'd, like, call me because, like, I don't know. When I'm in a relationship with somebody, like, I like listening to them and, like, listening to them, like, like heavy stuff going on in their life. Like, I want to be like, hey, you know, I want to hear about that. So, like, I want to be somebody who could talk to openly about that stuff. And, like, so she would come back to me and be like, I woke up, and I was, like, in a room with, like, all these people, and we had all, like, slept together. I was like, okay, well, you know. That doesn't make me feel that great, even though we don't have, like, any, like, labeling on this thing. And, like, I was like, you know, I don't want to, like, judge you or anything like that. I'm not going to judge you, but, like, I can't constantly deal with that, you know. So so that was a little difficult. And then uh, also one of my best friends uh, in high school, he was, like, the first guy who, like, got me into doing, like, drugs besides weed. Like, I did XC with him. And um, I don't know. I, I kind of realized that he was a little bit of a bad influence on my life, but he's in a relationship with one of my other really good friends, Nate. They bring each other down a lot um, because they like, you know, they'll just uh, hang out together and get into. And he's in, a, and he's, he gets in a lot of relationships like that where you know, where uh, they just get fucked up. And yeah, him and somebody else will just be like, let's hole up in our apartment and just do a bunch of heroin. And like, oh, I'm like, that is too yeah. intense. That's too I don't much. Is. Yeah, I don't get That's it. That's addiction. I do think that we have to. It's a like co-addiction too. It's like where somebody in the relationship like. I think in order to be in a healthy relationship, somebody has to be like, hey, we're, not, we're doing something not healthy here. And the other person has to be like, yeah, you're right. Let's help each other out. Like, that's that's what you want to be in a relationship with. Like, that's what you want to happen in a relationship is where two people are bringing each other up and not bringing each other down. Well, I mean, in a lot of ways, I'm also like, fuck that. If you have an addiction problem, be single and fucking try to fix it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but you're talking about something that is so almost impossible. Yeah. Um, almost impossible. Addiction is almost impossible to be for most people yeah. but these two people like i i think it's time that we like stop putting up with it like those people shouldn't get to hang out with you they shouldn't have like space in your life yeah well it's a huge enabling factor uh-huh. if they get to just have their friendships and they get yep. to have their family still support them and be around them yeah. and they don't have to be responsible yeah. for yeah. themselves or take care of themselves in any way mm-hmm. but there is a reality though that it's like you're in a, a circumstance with somebody and uh, I think that the addiction isn't just the drug. It's also like how you relate to each other. Cause people who in terrible relationships who don't do drugs do that to each other, but the behaviors aren't about 
alcohol or drugs. They're about like how they criticize each other or or their habits or like the kind of shit that they sort of treat each other like, you know? Well, I also think really heavily sexual relationships. Like if, if you relate mainly on a physical level, um, that could be dangerous too, because I mean, I feel like I I did a lot. I researched a lot of neuroscience like a year or two ago, just to like, just to help myself feel more balanced in my life. Like after going through a period of like experimenting with drugs and kind of like being in relationships and like, I was like, you know, I'm going to take a break from all this stuff and figure out what's going on with my mind. I researched neuroscience when I want to masturbate. I love it. Yeah. So do you know? Just joking. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was like, wow. Stacey's okay. He's like, what the fuck? Well, so all those things uh, like masturbation, touch, uh, being in a physical relationship release like oxytocin, which is like one of the most powerful like drugs in your brain or like the most powerful neurotransmitters. And it's responsible for feelings like trust and love. And uh, yeah, that can that can really like mess you up if you're like you can create a cognitive dissonance where you're you're like in a sexual relationship with somebody you shouldn't be trusting and your body and your mind like tells you you can't trust that person because of their touch and that's like that is crazy yeah so you can get that so that's like that's how really manipulative physical relationships starts i think is through that like oxytocin dependency and Mm -hmm. so if you think about that and somebody who is also has a like a drug addiction they're pushing each other with that and it's a sexual like relationship then you're like compounding addictions Mm -hmm. like this like physical addiction to this person who you probably shouldn't trust because they're also trying to get you to do drugs and that's like a whole downward spiral and that's like what i kind of like saw with my friend i was just like i was reading all this stuff and thinking about like you know, what's going on in all my other friends' brains who are, like, going way harder with drugs and way harder with, like, these relationships than I've ever done. And I've just been like, oh, dang. Like, now I really, like, see how your mind, like, how it's just, like, a, a whole mind trick that you're kind of setting up for yourself and the other person. Um, it's super scary. So when something like that happens, do you, you – this is, like, a good friend of yours. Do you still make room for them in your life? Do you still hang out with them? When you speak to them, what is that like? It's hard because you don't want to abandon them, and you also don't want to be too much, like – because I feel like this is, like, something that happens with this particular friend all the time is, like, he loves that. Like, he loves when you go up to him and be like, hey, we really care about you. We don't want anything bad to happen. He'll be like, I know. Like, I'm going to change and stuff like that. But I feel like one reason why he doesn't change is because, like, it like it's like a position. It's like it's a weird position of power to be in, where so, uh, people are always kind of feeling sorry for you and like are, are worried about you because you know they'll, they'll always be around. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have to be like tough love and be like, hey, you know what? If you keep doing this, like it's too much for me to handle, and I can't really be your friend anymore. And it really that's what gets to him. And that's one thing too that his parents really never did. God, I really hope. I'm like getting way too detailed about this friend's life. So like, if I don't know, it's okay. We don't know who that person is. Yeah, I know. Um, but anyways, yeah, I mean, and I feel like it's something too with the, their parents as well. Like their parents have never been through that stage. Like they're always going to help them out and they're always going to like bail them out, which is yeah. great. Like that's what good parents should do. But I, I definitely think there's a point where you have to be like, Hey, you know, we can't handle like they're He's definitely like he brings his parents. That's down probably another codependent relationship it's, right there. It where is. They're enabling. It is. Yeah, where they just they want him to need them, and he wants them to help him out. Well, and no, I mean, I, what's more than likely happened is you learn this like in AA or Al-Anon is that first of all, imagine if you had a child and your child had a drug addiction. Every excuse in the book you listen to because you just think maybe this time he will change. You want that to and be the case, yeah. And if you turn your back on him, then where's he going to go or what's he going to do? But to me, I'm not I'm not an expert, but I I like feel like I have very strong opinions about all this stuff is tough love, like 100 percent cutting that person out of your life until they sober up 
is the only way to go. So and until somebody hits rock bottom, like rock fucking bottom, they won't sober up. My dad didn't hit rock bottom until I mean, he had AIDS and he still hadn't hit rock bottom. I have an uncle who lived on the streets of Houston. He has family. We have a great big family in Houston. Had to live on the streets because we were like 100% you are cut off from everybody. And that was killer, right? One of my cousins saw him when she was like going to law Uh. school. Saw him on the street. He had gotten kicked out of all kinds of homes. But the harder it is, that hard fall down. Now he's been sober for seven years, I think. And that's the only thing that's going to get, like, your friend is never going to get sober if his parents are always there to catch him. It'll never be that bad. Well, uh, so I I do think the tough love thing, like, can work to some extent, but I think there's a better option, and it's something that I've kind of been learning over the past few years. And, like, I've been watching kids for a while, too, and um, because I'm also a nanny. And one thing I realized, because I think a lot about, like, okay, if I had kids and I was in a situation like this, like, what would be the best solution? And you never want to abandon somebody. And I think the first good thing to do is to find some way to get them. And because this is what helped me out in my life is like once I was like, you know, I don't really need drugs or alcohol relationships to be happy in the end. Like as long as I can like walk out, like you just had to be super grateful for like the senses you have, like being able to see and hear and like, you know, just like go out into the world and like experience it and like walk around the sunlight. Like it's so easy to be disenchanted with that, but just to be able to exist, you need to be like super grateful for that. Yeah. So, I mean, all the time I'm like, I tell this friend, like, dude, let's just go on a walk. Like instead of drinking or smoking, like let's just go on a walk and like talk. Mm -hmm. And it's just super, it's super mellow. And like, you're not really thinking about it, but afterwards you just feel so good. And it's, it's cause you just going out in the sunlight will like produce serotonin in your brain. But do you believe that addiction is a disease? Like, do you believe that you're born with that or that you, like, do you think it's like diabetes? I think it's like it, it, I think it's a balance between nature and nurture for sure. Yeah. I think that there's definitely a, some prerequisites to have more of an addictive personality. But who you're around, like for instance, uh, his parents drink all the time. They always have alcohol available in the house. They, I think he started drinking. He was like 16 or 17 with his parents. And even if they do, because they try to do this thing I was talking about, they're like, you know, instead of you know, instead of leaving him to his own devices, let's take like, and his parents are so cool and so nice in this, in this sense, they're like, let's take everyone bowling. Let's take everyone to play pool and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Of course, when they take us bowling, they're like, okay, what do you guys want to drink and stuff like that? And it's just like, so they kind of set, they set up that, they set up that foundation, like in order to have a good time, instead of just enjoying yourself, having a good time doing this thing, we have to add alcohol to the equation. Yeah. And which is fun. I think it's, it's fine to go out and get drunk, like not get drunk, but to drink and do stuff. But if it's like all the time, then you set up that, that mental connection. Like, Oh, well I can't just do something. that's inherently fun. I have uh-huh. to do something that's inherently fun and up the ante with that. Well, it is fine to get drunk, but some people just can't handle it. Uh, you know, just the reason I compare it to diabetes is because diabetics cannot have certain foods. There's just a certain way they can't eat. And yeah, that fucking sucks for them that they have to take medicine for the rest of their lives that they have to do all this stuff just like an addict, like they always will have to stay away from drugs and alcohol. There's just, to me, there's no middle ground, but I do believe that it's actually like a brain thing only because I've seen it so much. I have a girlfriend right now who's a recovering addict and it has been a struggle, but there's like this, I mean, when you look in like the depths of, of her soul, like you, you look at your friend that you love so much. She hates herself. Like, and her parents are great they are enablers for sure and they keep her in her addiction when she's an an addict but for sure i mean her brain is not like mine 
it is it's like sad as fuck that's why i have a lot of also care for addicts yeah what um i wonder what like sex addiction is like like if they um not to make it too horny when we talk about addiction but i wonder like what that kind of meeting would be like when you go are they all like fucking 12 times a day they giving random people blow jobs like what would that look like i don't know I, uh, you gotta talk in the mic I've never met anybody with a sex addiction, uh, but I I would imagine that if you transpose like all the ideas that we've had about alcohol and about drugs, I would imagine that it's very similar. Oh where um, you're you wake up in the morning, maybe the first thing that you think about is that you need to like have sex or interact with somebody on some level. And I know that in terms of I have known people who have like porn addictions. Mm-hmm. Um, and again. I think it's the same. You have to get your fix. You know what I mean? Where you wake up and the thing that you think about the most is sex and fucking. And uh, and probably uh, a lot of it um, is, I'm not saying that a lot of, or all of it is devoid of the emotion of it because uh, I don't think that drinking or uh, drug addiction is devoid of emotion either. I think it's like a, it's like a reward system that you've really created for yourself yeah. that's like super self-feeding kind of in a way. Yeah. So for me, it's like the same way that I would view sex in general, which is like sex feels great. Sex um, makes me forget like the kinds of maybe bad things that are happening in my life. I can just get a moment where I'm not thinking about any of this at all. Um, but fuck, man, there's, uh, there's something almost... Uh, for sex, you need other people in a lot of ways. For drugs, you could just kind of do it by yourself. Um, oh, you know, you need to, y- you can go buy shit and do drugs by yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the idea of like t- you interacting with another person and needing to bang is, uh, that is crazy sounding to me. Yeah, I think it's a scary thing because like with, when you kind of create you know, your, not create your own addiction because that implies that, you know, it, it might not be, uh, uh, inherently inherent thing like an addictive personality but when when an addictive circuit is kind of hooked up in your brain like if it's just drugs or alcohol it's, it's usually something you're doing by yourself but when it's sex and it's not like not like a masturbation addiction it's like almost it's scary because it's like you're you're messing up with somebody else's head as you're messing with your head too and that's kind of like I mean, I think it's irresponsible enough to be like messing with your own head, but it's it's also it's way more irresponsible when you put somebody else there in, in it too. Like that's the scariest thing is like you don't want to live with that, you know, that you're you're hurting somebody in I the process. Mm-hmm. Just I, like shame, shame, shame. It's what all of these things. They are all about. feel it. Yeah, all of them. But wait, do you think? I mean, porn addiction. What is like? Uh, that feels newer. Right, like because uh, porn is so oh, yeah, much of more. Well, I think anything that becomes like a cycle where you reward yourself and you can no longer function normally in other areas of your life. Like the person that I knew uh, was the husband of a friend of mine in college, and uh, it came to this point where he couldn't have sex in person because he couldn't he was not physically aroused at that point. I've read about that. Um, Yeah, he just couldn't get a boner from actually having sex with his wife. Um, And they they sort of engaged in this like, uh, this is the other thing. He spent so much money on credit cards and on uh, like like basically bankrupted them so Mm -hmm. that he could pay 
like women on video to do shit for him. Yeah, that was the scariest thing. I read the article I was reading in college is like definitely made like was like okay, I'm, I need to tone this down. And my roommate and I talked about it at the time because like my roommate and I looked at porn like casually. We weren't like looking at porn like every day. I don't think. Um, he ended up getting a girlfriend. We were dating too, so like when we would date people, we didn't look at porn just because we felt like it was a little bit more respectful and like I don't know. But after we, he was like, dude, you need to read this article. And I read it and it had those, all those points in it. It's like that um, it makes it harder to have sex. Like it makes you more of like a voyeur to some extent that you have to be watching somebody else having sex to like kind of get off. And then um, it also had that thing about it, like having to like l- get into more, like you get more into the whole where it's like, hey, so this is, it isn't enough to watch these videos anymore. Like I want to actually be interacting with somebody on the other side of the camera. And um, yeah, it's just. And I was like, I read that. And I was like, okay, yeah, I don't want to fall into that trap. Like, it was scared me out of like, like looking at too much porn or even like, I don't know. It's something I don't. Yeah. Okay, so do you masturbate to porn now? I would way rather masturbate to like thinking of okay. stuff. I, I like. One I the, wonder that when you date, I've dated guys that look at porn that like, I've dated a guy who says he cannot. He jerks off with porn every time, and to me, I think it affects your sex life. But, like, is that prude? Am I – I don't – I look at porn. I look at porn all the time, yeah. But I, I wouldn't say all the time. Like, I can easily masturbate without it. Um, it's more of, like, make it a treat for me. But, like, guys that look at it so much, I don't want to be a nag. But I just feel like you should lay off of it when you're dating somebody a, a little bit more. Right. Not that, yeah, not that you can't watch porn by all means. But Go ahead. or make it a plural activity where the both of you are doing it. But yeah, it just when it's your like main mode of. I think we're being like, I just want, I want you to keep your semen safe, so that when we're banging, it, you can use it on me. But is that bad? Like no. to be like, hey, we're gonna we're a fuck later. Pocket full of semen. Just keep it. Keep it safe. <laughs> keep it. <laughs> No, I don't. I'm not trying to be like that. So, no, please, everybody. Oh, I'm not making fun of you. I'm being realistic. Watch porn. But I'm just saying it does affect your sex life. Um, It it affects uh, how you have sex and it affects how long and like what turns you on. We all know, just like your friend's husband and that article. I know a guy who couldn't keep his dick hard because he was addicted to porn. Like you have a real life vagina there and you'd rather look at a computer screen. So it's bullshit to me. And uh, I don't know, but it makes me more sensitive if I'm fucking a guy and I know that he watches porn, but like he doesn't want to have sex with me when I want to or he can't come or something. I immediately think, oh, this is because you watch porn all the time. I think that's a uh, there's a little bit of a maybe a jump there, though, because I feel like um, uh, just because somebody watches porn uh or wants to masturbate, it doesn't mean, well, yeah. Well, the idea is there are times when I have sex and there are times when I want to masturbate and I separate those things. Mm-hmm. And masturbation is easy. It's rewarding in ways that I find like almost like, uh, there's a word in Spanish called cotidiano. And it's like, uh, that it's just, it's like being with yourself is the most comfortable state that I mm-hmm. can be in. Being by myself is my absolute baseline comfort level. And sometimes I don't want to interact with other people and have sex like that. I, there's a, I can choose which kind of sex I want to have. So in, even in a relationship, I think 
Uh, there are times when you want to fuck and then there's times when you just want to masturbate. And again, if it becomes a thing where you're like, I only want to masturbate and because I masturbate, I can't have sex and that's mm-hmm. a different thing. But I, I can absolutely, I think, differentiate between like wanting to just be by myself and do it. Okay, um, I have a question because I think we started talking about this on the last episode with Catherine Way. Um, like where your imagination goes like, I don't know. I, I'm very conscious of what I'm imagining when I'm masturbating. Cause like I, for instance, like if I'm imagining and I, I had a bad habit of doing this when I would just try to use my imagination to masturbate. And when I imagined like a sexual situation or an old relationship, I'd always be like, okay, I don't want to do that. And I always don't want to imagine like a new relationship either because then you're just like, okay, then I'm jumping. That's the a gun. lot of pressure on yeah, that person. Like, well, yeah. So, so in your imagination, if you're imagining something like an, either an old relationship or somebody who you want to be with, it's like you're hooking up your brain to like have an expectation or to like, so for instance, like the days after, like I would, the day after I, I would masturbate um, and think of like somebody who I was in a relationship with, like I'd always be like, I think I'd be thinking about them and I'd be like, oh, I, d- I just messed myself up in my brain. Like now I brought this like X back into my mind because like I, I brought this sexual situation back and I'm like this is fucked up like I shouldn't have done that you know well what, sometimes I imagine um like I'm, I imagine made up people in my brain yep. yeah. and again I've, I've done this in my stand-up but it's like uh a lot of times like I'm not masturbating to like people banging me or people banging each other but more so just like like a guy like touching my face or like telling yeah. me hey nice I really things. like you you're pretty and I'm like oh but still, so sexy. But still, the difficult thing about that is like, okay, so you know that you know that kind of I, f- I forget the statistic. I don't know how real it is. It's not a statistic, it's like a fact or some kind of thing that's like it's perpetuated online. Is that like the people whose faces you see in your dreams are like a composite of faces you've seen like in your life? Mm. So you know you can't really imagine some like you have you have like this like platonic like this ideal vision of the person you want touching your face still too. Who oh yeah, might be somebody who you were in a relationship with or somebody you've seen on TV. I guess it's like safer, and that's why a lot of people when you when you read like the the stereotypical thing about like the the person who like masturbates who doesn't want to look at porn who has like a you know is trying to be like kind of. Um, more innocent about it. A they'll, purist. They'll imagine, they'll imagine like a, a famous person usually like, Oh yeah. I imagine Brad Pitt every time I masturbate kind of thing. Or Scott I imagine. Disick. The, yeah. No? I don't yeah. know. I was just Scott like, Disick. yeah. Talking about addictions. Yeah. yeah Addicted it was just an example. But dick. Yeah. But that's, I don't know. For me, one thing I, I used to do, and this is kind of funny because it was the same roommate who we read that article together. We would read this author um, and he'd have like sex scenes in his books and apparently we were both masturbating to these sex scenes in these books. Like we were like, yeah, they just turned me on it. Like I kind of imagine, um, and that's actually kind of weird. We're like we're masturbating to like this dude's words. We have friends who have <laughs> the same favorite porn star yeah. and yeah. Uh, obviously they've masturbated. They share porn, Yeah, porn sharing. Uh, I think masturbating, my favorite thing to do is to take, like, mix it up, a mashup, if you will. So I'll take um, a sexual experience that I had with an ex-boyfriend that was, like, amazing. And then I'll put, like, a face of maybe one of you, maybe anybody I want that is, like, hot. A and chimera I, of masturbation. Just, <laughs> like, something. And then I imagine them doing that thing that that person did. If I don't want to think about that person. Or oh maybe I'll think about that person. Like Now I'm worried you're gonna think about my brother when you masturbate. I might. We both will. I might do that. Oh great. Let's text each other. What yeah. we do? I'll be like, He's done so it, cute. did yeah. it. Take those glasses off. Oh, geez. It's about to get steamy. It's going to be so funny because he was going to be on this episode, and now he's going to go back and listen to it. It's like, oh, that was the episode I was going to be on. <laughs> it's all about 
him. Maybe he'll masturbate to the idea of us masturbating to him. I hope that oh, we wow. cause that. And I hope. Do it now. Start now, yeah. Andrew. I'm going to masturbate to the idea of him oh. masturbating to the idea of us masturbating. Yeah, no. it'll be an endless cycle. Yeah. I thought we weren't saying names on this. Oh, shit. Oh. Well, you're bro- it's, it's all cool. People could find it anyway. Facebook yeah. exists. That's how I looked up his page like months ago. I didn't notice what a Whoa. baby was. Yeah, but I look at anybody's page. All, she like, is a stalker. If I've yeah. ever met you or heard of you, I've looked at your page. I mean, I'm definitely a Facebook stalker too, but that's crazy because, like, that's like a because I, I usually only stalk people who like I've met yeah, or like I had care no about, about you. Life. Yeah, he's your twin brother. Cool. I wanted to look at what your twin brother was like. I wanted to see y'all's relationship. Yeah, I hardly ever go to like the family section and be like, oh, what are their cousins like? Well, what no, are you were tagged in a picture. Oh. And so I was like, oh my god, that's Alex's twin. And then uh-huh. I went through it. Um, yeah, I don't look for family unless we're doing stock show stuff. Um, but I will look through all your pictures. Oh, Have cool. you ever... Okay, so I had... Uh, speaking of cousins, I grew up with a lot of cousins that weren't my real cousins. Mm-hmm. And I never... Like, I wasn't, like, into them, but I do have friends who grew up with people, and they were into each other. Wait, to back like, up, when you say not your real cousin, you mean, like, step-cousins? Yeah, like, step-cousins. Okay. Step, I just put my... Not yeah. just, like, really close family friends. No, not just really close family friends. Like, my parents were divorced and got remarried, and then those those step-parents had families who had kids. And they're cousins, but not step-siblings. No, not step siblings, step cousins. Then that's basically. fine. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. weird. no blood it's connection, fine. but they're cousins by like law. My yeah. sister did that. My sister dated our step cousin very innocently when we were young, but there's no blood, and you're putting people like really close together. I mean, I think close in age. Yeah, close, close in, in age. All that. I think that about step siblings sometimes. I'm like, oh. Yeah, like the, all those movies that end up with like, uh, oh, cr- like crazy for you with uh, Adrian Grenier and Melissa Joan Hart, yeah. where like their parents start dating after they start dating, and then they move in together, and their steps of that movie is crazy. Right. I have two things to say, and Cruel Intentions is another movie like uh, Cruel Intentions. Cruel yeah. Intentions yeah. takes it to the extreme. Like Holy that movie's shit, ridiculous that movie. and so, unrealistic. So we've all masturbated Cruel Intentions, yep. right? Straight yeah. up. Yeah. I like yeah. the placebo soundtrack. Uh, the band Placebo is really cool. Well, I thought they were cool when yeah, I was in high school. Yeah, I think school. they're cool too. Um, all right, so I have a stepsister who, like, everyone in my high school is like, dude, your stepsister's so hot. Um, so that was, like, a little weird. Um, that sounds like the beginning of a porno for sure. Did you think she was hot? I definitely thought she was attractive, but I was just, like, very, like, quickly off the bat. Because, I don't know, I, I need to be attracted to somebody on multiple levels. Like, I can't just be like, oh, this person's good looking. Like, I definitely have to be like, oh, I can have the same taste as this person stuff like that. And I, we did relate on the fact that she likes to go out and dance and, like, go to club stuff. So I would go to clubs with her and, like, we would drink and just, like, dance and stuff like that. But I was, like, I don't know. There's – we uh, – I have to be with somebody who I could talk to. And so I just, like – I don't know. I, uh, well, now I'm, like, definitely sounding like I've considered it for is sure. She oh. st- is she still <laughs> your stepsister? Yeah, she's still my stepsister. Um, she lives – she lives in her own apartment, has cats, and, like, we get along oh, I great. Love her. Sounds my, yeah, my type she, of girl. She's really cool. Um, but – I don't, I don't know. Also, it's like she has a, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I can't even put my finger on it. She's just complacent being like a party girl. And for me, it's like, I uh, like, like when I was like, you don't create anything or you don't like making stuff, you know, it's uh, that's just Is like. Is she young? Uh, she's three months older than me. Okay. Maybe she God, just needs a little so time. Did she your, needs a little time. Was your brother ever like, was it? Oh, my twin brother hated her. 
hated her. My twin brother was very bad about step parents and step siblings. Oh. Like uh, right off the bat, well, I don't know. And my brother had a bad habit of, um, I mean, since he's like he's always been into physics and uh-huh. engineering and stuff like that. So and just like me, where I'm just like, oh, if a person like doesn't create stuff or isn't like an artist and like I don't have as much of a fascination in that person. For him, it's it's similar because he he definitely likes people who create stuff. Um, but he what really bothers him if, is if that somebody doesn't think about things in a rational empirical way so if somebody isn't like a scientist or has like a method of thinking about things especially beforehand like he's better about it now but beforehand if they didn't like rationalize things out he'd be like ah oh, who is this person like how are who you would, how do you even exist yeah yeah how do you even go it's like hard for him existing. to comprehend kind of people like that for a while and it would frustrate him so like her my stepmom my stepdad like he just didn't get along with them at all. It bothers me when people don't think about why they do things or like why they are the way that they are and don't like internalize their behaviors and try to figure it out or that's probably the reason that I'm the most thankful for having my brother is I really think that if I didn't have a twin brother who is that like rational empirical, because my parents used to be like, Alex, you're like a dumb blonde. Like, I don't know. That's a, that's a terrible stereotype, but they're like, Alex, you just have no common sense sometimes. And you just like, this is me when I was like four or five. I'd drive the Jeep, like the, you know those little like uh, Power Wheels Jeeps, and I'd be like looking around and like running <laughs> into stuff. Like I would be so I was oblivious, and uh, I definitely think that my brother helped me be less of an oblivious person, which is really awesome. I all I could think about when you're saying that is like how amazing it is, the things that attract us, the things that turn us on, are so different. You are, y'all are both, you and your brother both are attracted to things that I'm not necessarily, are my deal breakers, like creating something. I could date a guy who doesn't create something. Um, I could date a guy who's not a rational thinker. I'm not a rational thinker. Like, all of these things that you just have ingrained, like, I could never like a guy who does this or doesn't do this. I, I don't know. I don't think it's, it's a steadfast it's, rule. But well, it seems to be like it, I, I can tell definitely the people who I've dated who aren't like who don't create a lot of things. I, I well, I don't know. Like, even if it's just a minor thing, like I think everybody creates something, and I, I like that. Like when somebody has like even if it's just a hobby, like that's great. Um, like I dated somebody for a while who's like a, a but it, I also like they're like uh they they care a lot about animals or something like that. That helps a lot, a lot too. Like I dated somebody who's a vet but like created things on the side. Like she did a lot of like paper mache and like craft stuff. And like I was just like this is great. Like I think this is fine. That's the person who I was like dated for the longest probably. Um, and I don't know. There has to be something that like we can connect on and talk about. But she was also really into biology, so uh, I guess that was a side of my brother that was kind of like that. Me, and my brother shares like we either have to have somebody who creates something or somebody who thinks who's very passionate about some kind of subject. I think that's the the kicker, the passion. Because to me, it's like um, I really okay. So th- I think the thing that turns me on the most uh, out of people are people who are really good at something that they are passionate about. Mm-hmm. Like they're just really good at what they do. Yeah. Whatever the fuck it is, honestly. Um, just top excellent notch level people who are good at what they do. That's a big, we've talked about talent boners before. Mm -hmm. And I think talent boners also transfer to like passion boners where if I see somebody who's very invested, who is like thought, like he, it's almost like this core and that person is thinking on every level about this one thing that to me, it demonstrates a kind of, I think a, a maturity in a lot of ways. And some people that we know that are 19 have that already. And some people that we know that are fucking 40 don't have that at all. Yeah, it's, and it's a they don't even necessarily have to be top notch, but being a visionary counts for a lot. Like somebody who you could tell, like a media is like, man, this person has a vision. Like I'm just like, whoa, like that just, you know. I love that. Well, there's something. 
I think there's something inherently charismatic about people who are willing to put themselves and their passions before you or before the dating or before that yes. part because there's there's like, oh, shit, like they can take care of themselves. I don't have to do this for them. Yep. They're not like these aimlessly walking around just trying to figure something out at all. And that's okay, too. It just there's something about like the the beacon like they know what the beacon is they know where the fucking lighthouse is mm -hmm. and they're going for it um yeah honestly it may be a matter of like i've uh, you're like maybe they could you know like we could go on our path forward together well i think the ideal thing too and i guess it's like a rem oh sorry sorry no i don't i'm thinking of guys that i have talent boners for right now yeah, I'm yeah. thinking of guys I have talent more yeah. for right now. You, so many. You date somebody who's like very talented. I yes. So. I do date a guy who's so talented, and I do have a huge talent motor for him. I secretly want him to like want to work with me. Yeah. I'm like, why doesn't he want to write something with me? Like, See, that was uh, about to say. I think the most ideal situation, like, um, I saw. I've seen Quinn Chandler's Pussycat a few times, and uh, I saw them with Matt and Tracy recently. But like, and even Matt and Tracy, I think they're gonna be on the show like next week, right? Uh, I think so. We're, maybe we're gonna record. Who knows when we we'll release it or what order? But yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, we're recording them. Um, yeah. So Quintronimus Pussycat, like, so Miss Pussycat does like she does. A, she's a great singer and plays like maracas, but she's like an excellent puppeteer. Um, and she's good at oh, setting yeah. up the aesthetics I of just, everything. I just met her a couple and, of days ago. Yeah, and then Quintron's like the organist, and he's like a music genius. And it's like they were both like they both had a vision. And the both of their visions could like come together to create Quinchon and Miss Pussycat, like in their live experience, like just like amplified each other. Like finding somebody with a complementary vision, and then that becoming one total vision is like, it's like it's like you're giving birth to an uh, art baby instead of an actual child, and that's like that something that's really beautiful. We, yeah, we give yeah. birth to art babies all yeah. day long. I would Isn't that great? Yes, I would love to create something with my partner right now. I would love to just do like a neo benchy or write just something. I don't know. Um, but we have very different styles of what we think is funny. Yep. Um, I think I could get on his level. I don't think he'd want to get on mine because I'm a lot like more poppy and goofy. But um, yeah, I want to do that. That's sexy to me. I mean, there like, might be some ways those things can complement each other. Like maybe it, we haven't even tried it though. They don't have to be like a shared vision necessarily. I like I, I think that a shared vision implies that you guys are doing the same thing, and sometimes it doesn't. That won't help each other out. That would feel mm -hmm. competitive, right? A complementary vision is like it's kind of like with Quinchon and his Pussycat. Like they, I think that their music has the same, like not their music, but their their ideas have similar themes, but they they cover different grounds. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. Like her yeah. aesthetic is definitely more like cutesy, and his aesthetic is definitely more like something a little bit more dark and twisted. And like cute and dark and twisted, when those two things come together, I, I love that. Like I think I my think favorite Vicky things are that. And Jeremy are another example of yeah. that because when they do the muscles, even just in life, Jeremy is so silly. Um, yeah. And Vicky can be a little goofy just one-on-one, -on -one, but... Yeah, their own brains are silly, for sure. Vicky is definitely more, like, serious and talented and dark and beautiful. And yeah. She's like a witch Jeremy is just world. like, he will just do anything for a laugh, just like a goof monster. But when they sing together, it, like, they both, like, come back to that, like, they balance a little yeah. bit more to each other. Totally. Sorry, the dog is going crazy. Um... Yeah, I just I, I do think I but I am thinking of like I'm going through like a Rolodex of all the guys. There's a new guy right now. I do not have a crush on him. I know who it is. I do have a crush on him. Don't say anything. Oh, my gosh. I feel so out of the loop. You know, who, you wait. You have a crush on him. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so I know who your talent phone is. Honestly, Stacey, the more I know you and know you and know you, uh-huh. I feel like we have very similar tastes in yeah, dudes. I think we do. Yeah. You want to fuck my boyfriend? No. I mean, of course. I will watch it. I will be, I'm just praying. Uh, I'm just waiting. I let you, Alex, you weren't here the other night when um, he was here. And Oha and I do this thing when we say goodbye to each other where we kiss the softest we can kiss. It's the tiniest kiss is what we call it. Just the little. um, It's a little lip touch. You want to just touch a little bit. And if you touch too hard, then you lose, right? Yeah. So I said I made her do that to him. And he was so embarrassed. So embarrassed and like, uncomfortable. Give him a kiss. And she goes, can I? And then she did. He just took it. Just such a sweet. I, don't I imagine know. he's going like, I don't, think this is, I don't think this is totally <laughs> fair, but I definitely feel like uh, your boyfriend is a little bit like that Hank Hill kind of, you know. That would be nothing but a compliment to him. Uh, if he ever hears this, yes. Yeah. Nothing but a compliment. He would be like, oh. Damn it, Bobby. Yeah. Uh, damn it, Stacy. Yeah. Um, dang it, I guess Hank Hill says. Um, yes, that's very much like who I'm dating. Um, well, okay. So we can wrap up. Um, did you guys have fun? Yeah. Yeah. What? Let's give everybody go around the room. Let's give one piece of advice. Okay. Oh, no. I don't know. You got to make it horny. It's hard out of like a context. Piece of advice about what? Yeah. Whatever. Okay, I'm ready. No, I can't. It's so hard without a context. No, I'm going to go first. Yeah. Okay. When you are in bed with somebody Mm -hmm. and uh, they're touching your balls, your vagina, your breast, anything even remotely sexual, uh, make. Uh, sure that you say quotes like um, oh my gibbly bits or um, or you do What's stuff like uh, uh, Wizard of Oz okay uh, and then uh, or you could do a quote like uh, famous Barbra Streisand quote oh I don't know I love it or uh, okay. you could do like uh, uh, have you ever heard uh, have you ever seen Dogtown it's a movie about skaters, mm-hmm. skater boys. Lords of Dogtown. Yeah. Uh, Lords Dog- of Dogtown. Yeah. yeah. Dogtown Town. Uh, you could take a quote from that movie when they're touching you and you can go like, halt there, boy. My skateboard's broken. I need to buy some new wheels. Okay. Like that kind of thing. So that's so what like I. it's like if somebody is touching your naughty bits, mm-hmm. then you make sure to some classic movie. Yeah. Bring it back in. Yeah. Big Kahuna. Surf's out. Big like, Kahuna from yeah. Gidget? Yeah. Okay. That guy. Um, you want me to go first, Alex, before you? Yeah, because that was okay. good and funny. I don't feel that like I have like just a serious. I think that was very serious. I I'm honestly think it. there's no other way to compliment your lover than with a nice well, classic. I want to give advice on butthole maintenance. Okay, I'm listening. So, I'm a big fan of Nair for sensitive skin. Doesn't it burn though? It does not burn the you. The sensitive this is skin how one. You do okay. it. You get your sensitive skin. Everybody has a sink that you can rest your elbows on. If you also have a squatty potty, that would also work. But what you want to do is probably against your sink, you angle your body at about forty-five degrees, and then you just put a little bit on your finger, and then you just tap around your butthole. It's just you feel it. You don't have to look in a mirror. You just feel, and you tap around your butthole. You do a thick layer. A thick tap. And then you just up on the sink 
just I just want to let you guys know that Stacy right now looks like Curly Sue on the cover of look the Curly Sue movie. It's like pushing up her, her cheeks, cheeks with her, her knuckles. Fist. You just like hold your uh, head up. You got to stay at 90, 45 degrees. Sorry. And then you let that sit on. And then the second that it starts to tingle, you move your little legs in there. Don't close your legs together because you will just smush put all that, that in up there. in your butthole. And um, and then you rinse it out and your butthole is smooth. Smooth as hell. I have given that advice to at least four people, four girlfriends of mine, and they all do it. And I heard it from my friend Dusty, so thank you, Dusty. I will absolutely do that from now on. Nair your butthole. I know you've bleached your butthole before, I did bleach too. my butthole. That's advice for another time. Okay, cool. Alex. Wow. Um, wow, I don't know. I don't really have, like, sex advice. It doesn't like have those to be two sex advice. Sexual. Yeah. Oh, no, advice. it's really simple. I think that my advice is just... Um, if you like somebody or you just even if you meet somebody and you're like, this person's cool, like definitely just ask them how their day was going and ask them how their day is and like genuinely listen to them. And you could tell whether or not things are going to be good if you care for sure. OK, so I just one last thing before we go. So uh, let's say that we're people that you like. So let's get in that scenario right now. I ask you guys all the time how y'all's days are I going. know, I know. But let's like if you liked us, if you like liked us, what would it look like? So we're on the other side of this. So let's let's role play. OK. Okay, so we're in a room, mm-hmm. and like we're just hanging out. We're being liked by you, mm-hmm. and I go, "Hey, mm-hmm. Alex, how's it going?" Hi, Alex. You and look then nice. I ask, "How's your day going?" Oh, <laughs> I'm doing really good. What yeah. about your day? Well, you see, my day well, just started. I have to think of an example of now. Like, yeah, of course, because well, you told me to when you like somebody or fake like somebody, like we're doing right now, that he you have to ask them how they're doing. This so I was gonna do removed, that to him. This is how far removed Oha is from flirting. He just says, hey, what's up? How's your day going? And then you feel like, man, Alex cares about my day. Like for example, here, let, let's, we have to start well, with the just said that when you like somebody, you have to ask them how here, their we'll, day was. We'll so actually, that's what I was doing. We'll actually role play and like, do an actual example. So okay. like, like, oh, and just pretend like we didn't hang out yesterday because okay. we did. Yeah. Um, how, was, how was your day yesterday? How was your Saturday? Oh, it was really good. I was, uh, you know, feeling real passionate about stuff all the time. I'm just really loving my life. You know, you got to make it so that like you're really happy so that people will like you. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I have no problems. I have no problems. My house is pristine. But that's no, but realistically, I think you would have been like, you would have gone into more detail about something. Oh, there was a show and stuff like that. And my friend Liz is leaving. I love you, Liz. And she's just derailing so poorly. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It was pretty (laughs) bad. Oh, I can't even. You really said, how was your Saturday? And she didn't tell you. Yeah, she just gave me a vague (laughs) non-answer. You actually had a Saturday. It's not like a fake, like, how's your spaceship? Flirting by Oha. So maybe that's my other second piece of advice is that if somebody (laughs) who has a crush on you and is trying to flirt with you, ask them how your day is going, just be genuine and don't try to sugarcoat it. And if you had a shitty day, tell them you had a shitty day. Like, you could have been like, the best answer you could have gave me is like, I'm really sad that my friend Liz is leaving. And you could have told instantly whether or not I had any interest in you if I empathized and was like, oh, my God. Like, how long have you known her? Like, what does she mean to you? A year and a half. She means so much to me. Yeah. 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 Shout out and that's to the thing I think is important with relationships. I think you have to genuinely care about what the other person's day and like the other person's experience and perspective of the world is and like what they're going through and then also that bridges the gap because they're going to care about what you're going through you know what i mean like it it, it, it creates this mutual relationship where it's like hey i care about you you care about me and i don't think this it has to be for a dating relationship it, it just it, your friendships your your uh, family relationships that, so that's my advice 
ask people Show how, up. Always, emotionally. always ask people about Be how yourself. they're always ask people about how they're doing. Um, and if you get asked how you're doing, give them a genuine response. If you, you thought you had a shitty day, you thought you had a good day, explain it, explain why. And then the then actually listen and care. I guess improv. Improv. That is really improv, you know. So we've been okay, doing a lot guys. Of I'm glad that our advice. I mean, hopefully it does not fall in deaf ears. Please listen to it. Heed yeah. this warning um, from everybody. Quote. Quote movies when you're having sex. Yeah. Use uh, the nair sensitive on nair on your butthole and li- listen to all the people you have in your life that you love and care yeah, for and ask them there. how they're doing. Okay. Yeah. We thank you so much, everybody, for listening. A lot of people have been listening. Uh, keep uh, keep messaging us nice things. Yes. Please uh, rate us and leave us uh, yeah, you can do that. any kind of comments on our iTunes or on our or SoundCloud. So, yeah. And we will read them, and we will be so happy yeah. to have interacted Very with you. Very happy. We're Stock already happy. On Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. We have a Facebook relationship podcast. We have an Instagram. We have a Twitter. I've never put anything on it. Ooh. Okay, actually, I have another piece of advice. Um, okay. Sorry. Ooh. This is actually a real one. Um, not the, the other one was actually really real. This is probably less real than that one. Um, if you like somebody, and they're, like, active on social media, and they're kind of, like – in you know in, in the generation like in the, uh, kind of like a millennial one thing that really works well is uh to, to kind of signify that you have a crush on them like in a very nonchalant way maybe this is too chalant but uh you go all the way down in their facebook and facebook posts like a moment they were born the year they were born like their birth oh that He's is already like told high, me that. okay i'm gonna do that i'm it's gonna like, do that to five people today yeah it's like high level showing that you like definitely like i like that you were born yep I like that. I like that you exist. I love that. But you okay. see, I don't know what the algorithm is nowadays. I don't know if that pops up on their feed and it's like <laughs> it tells all of their friends like, oh, this that person now likes it. That's that fine. Yeah. Let everybody know. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you. This has been relationship. I'm Stacy. And I'm Oha. And I'm and Alex. That's Alex. Bye. Sorry. Bye. Relationship.